Connor's Connor's too healthy for his own good. Connor Connor is like this crazy runner. Pause. Uh, I need to go put coconut milk <laughs> or uh, coconut milk and kale in this curry thing. And I just want to wring his little neck. I'm bad at zero indexing. Yeah, yeah. This is just this is just a bit to put into the intro part. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode one, recorded on November 22nd, 2020. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we're going to be revisiting Stood, Transform, Reduce, and other unfinished topics from episode zero. The original question for episode zero, the original question for episode zero was, what is your favorite algorithm? Like, favorite algorithm singular and uh we have feature creeped way past that i think um we covered uh like four algorithms in episode zero so this is i guess part two um yeah so uh yeah so before we before we get into this because we're going to talk more about transform reduce because like this is this Podcast is called Algorithms um, plus Data Structures equals Programs, but it's really Transform Reduce equals Programs. Um, so we're going to talk about Reduce, Transform Reduce, I'm sure a lot throughout this podcast, but today we're going to talk specifically about it a bit more. But before we do that, we should explain a little bit about our, our jobs and our background because that's Wait, sort of relevant so to our passion for Transform Reduce. Is, have we started the podcast? Yeah, this is the podcast. This is the podcast right now. <laughs> all right, I had no idea we started. Uh, so what are we? Yeah. What are we talking about now? We're explaining. All right, where we work. All right, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay, so so well, both of us now work at Nvidia. Uh, that wasn't always the case. You didn't work at Nvidia, and then I was like, Connor needs to work at Nvidia. Um, but so I work at Nvidia, and I uh, my, my team works on um, what's called our C core compute libraries. Um, and one of those libraries is a algorithms library called Thrust. So it is, it's, in particular, it's a parallel algorithms library. And uh, for me, the reason why Transform Reduce is so exciting is because it is, I'd argue, the, the most powerful of the C++ parallel algorithms. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, you should explain. So, so I'm coming from this as, as the implementer of um, the algorithm, whereas you are actually one of my users. True. So also, too, before uh, I start talking, uh, explain to folks, because I, I um, envision that over time, less and less of like, I, I, I assume at the start, a high concentration or percentage of our listeners will be C++ developers. But over time, that uh, proportion will decrease as other listeners join. Uh, so... I started my career as a C++ developer. Um, I spent a year at Amazon doing a bit of C++, uh, Java, Python, a tiny bit of Go, tiny bit of Perl. Um, and now I'm back to doing C++ and a little bit of Python. Uh, so what's your background? Have you been C++ from start to finish? Um, so, so in episode zero, we talked about how I uh, flunked out of college and um, uh, started teaching myself to program in C++ to uh, create a game. And then I, uh, I discovered Boost through the Boost. Uh, uh, the first algorithm I was exposed to was Boost's algorithm split. 
And uh, then I quickly got distracted from the project I was working on by just contributing a boost. And uh, then I needed a job because I had, you know, dropped out of college. My parents were not super thrilled about me just like sitting in their basement. So uh, I knew this guy on IRC, uh, Hartmut Kaiser, and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a job. And he's like, hey, why don't you come down to Louisiana? So then I somehow talked my... uh, my parents into uh, buying me a one-way, me a 19-year-old, uh, fairly sheltered child, a one-way ticket to Louisiana, and uh, it, that worked out pretty well. So I was there for a number of years, um, working at uh, Louisiana State University, doing um, uh, high-performance computing, um, uh, sci- building um, uh, parallel runtimes for scientific applications that run on supercomputers. And I did that for a few years. I worked on this thing called HPX. And then I, uh, I went to Lawrence Berkeley National Lab um, in Berkeley, California. Um, and I did some other uh, HPC stuff. Um, and uh, then I came to work at NVIDIA. And throughout that entire time, I have almost exclusively programmed in C++. My, uh, my old mentor, Hartmut, he... He used to say, like, there's, like, three acceptable programming languages. C++, JavaScript, and Python. Um, And so that's basically all that I've ever really worked with. Maybe with the exception of I I interact a bit with Fortran. I have a weird passion for COBOL, in particular the history of COBOL. And um, I write a lot of Bash scripts. And uh, I think Bash is actually, like... A pretty great programming language. So we'll save um, we'll save Bash for a, a whole episode. We'll save the history of COBOL for another episode. Uh, but do you know why uh, Hartmut said that those three JavaScript, Python, and C plus plus are the only three that you? What did he say? They're only three that are uh, real programming languages, or the only three you need to know? Like in his mind, like those are the three the three acceptable programming language like like if you knew those three programming languages like c wasn't the answer for all problems he he admitted that he was first and foremost a c person but it wasn't always the answer for everything and so if it wasn't the answer for something then you should do that thing in either python or javascript i see and uh, i don't i don't particularly know the rationale i mean a python uh it's a nice language um it's very popular in data science and in hpc so maybe that's why um i don't know about javascript i mean i guess it's you know if you need to deal with some web technology it's uh it's it's one of them (laughs) okay so to summarize you're basically start to finish c plus plus with a little bit of uh bash Fortran, COBOL in the midst, and I'm the more of the polyglot one, um, or polyglot developer, I should say. I, I take it back. There is one common theme between all those languages, and I'm and I suspect it's part of the reason why my my mentor Hartmut liked them all. All of those languages are Python, C++, and JavaScript. They're all fundamentally multi-paradigm languages. Um, they're not purely functional languages or purely imperative languages or purely object-oriented languages. Instead, they support multiple different paradigms, um, uh, which gives you, the programmer, a great deal of freedom in how you write and structure code. And that was something that 
I think was always valuable to Hartmut. He is somebody who, um, you know, if he goes and looks at a problem, he'll come up with a solution for it, which um, combines the power of functional programming, um, object-oriented programming, and, you know, the efficiency of just writing low-level imperative code. So I think that's what he probably liked about all those languages. Yeah, that's a good point. Multi-paradigm. I prefer multi-paradigm languages because then I get to write code the way that I want. So before our um, before our tangent into the uh, the three acceptable programming languages according to Hartmut Kaiser, um, we were pointing out the fact that I am a implementer of uh, a C plus plus algorithms library, and you are uh, are now a uh, consumer. So uh, why don't you explain a little bit about where you come from so yeah in in a nutshell uh i work for a team called uh rapids that's all capital letters um you can check, at nvidia yeah at nvidia um and this is a this is sort of a newer uh kind of team for nvidia in that we're entirely open source so thrust um is obviously an open source library uh but i i think that's probably the first open source or like the major at least the, the first it major was the first open source library at nvidia it, it is funny that that both you know nvidia is a company not historically known for open source but both you and i work at nvidia and we both pretty much spend a hundred percent of our time working on open source code or on open standards yeah so the the rapids team like from the from the bottom up uh was built to be like a remote open source team. So all of our development happens on and through GitHub. Um, I rarely have to like log into VPN because my, my day job is like uh, working on PRs and issues that are posted on uh, the Rapids uh, project. So specifically, I work on CUDF. Uh, the CU, the CU stands for uh, CUDA and DF stands for data frame, but Rapids is a number of uh, projects, not just QDF. But basically what Rapids is designed to be is a end-to-end -end data science pipeline that runs on the GPU. Um, and each of the projects or repos within Rapids sort of targets an existing uh, library that exists in sort of the data science ecosystem, um, but that doesn't run on the GPU. So specifically uh, QDF, um, targets or tries to sort of maintain parity with a Python library called Pandas, which is extremely popular. Uh, so if you're a Python dev, I'm sure you've heard of Pandas. I believe we have QML. The ML uh, in that repo stands for machine learning. Um, that targets scikit-learn, if I believe. Um, and then there's a, a ton of other repos and projects, QSpatial, QGraph. Um, I won't go through them all, but it's a super, super exciting team. Um, I absolutely love the work that we're doing there. Um, we, I write in C++ 14. We should be upgrading to C++ 17 uh, in the next, I don't know, year or so. I think we, it, it depends. And, it, and it, it, it plays well into your background, too, because you you actually, like, originally were schooled in actuarial science, which is a good fit for data science. Uh, yeah, I, I went to school to study actuarial math, and there is a lot of, uh, sort of finance applications, I guess, that leverage data science. I would say, though, um, a lot of the work that I do is sort of abstract, um, with, with no, like, with no specific domain in mind, um, which mm. I actually love, uh, 
because I really care more about like code quality and like the code that I'm writing than I do actually on like the product that's being built at the end of the day. I think it's awesome that yeah. there's a lot of um, like national labs and um, a lot of like really, really big corporations that need to crunch a ton of data that are leveraging this library. Um, but at the end of the day, like I am at heart, like a library writer. I'm not like a app developer. Um, yeah, we're, we're both, we're both fundamentally framework people. Um, you know, I, the, one of the analogies I like to use is that, um, you know, software is sort of like a library. Um, uh, there's people that write, that author the books, um, the library authors, and then there's people who come in and read the books and, and use knowledge from the books to build actual concrete things. Um, that's people who build, you know, end applications. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, the people who define the languages that uh, for that you use to write the books, um, which we also do a part of because a large part of, you know, what we do um, is uh, or a, a large part of what I do, less so you, um, is work on uh, programming language standards. Specifically, I spend a lot of my time on on the C++ standard. Um, but, uh, but, you know, this, um, uh, the data science world is actually sort of a good, um, intro into why we both think transform reduce is so awesome. So before, before um, we do that though, I just realized I went on a, uh, ramble of, you know, uh, rapids and why I think rapids is awesome and failed to mention how that makes me a consumer of thrust, <laughs> um, which is the connection. So, uh, rapids is heavily built on top of thrust. Um, which is fantastic because when I came to NVIDIA and even still now, uh, I do not consider myself like a, a GPU computing expert. Um, I'm not like, uh, anywhere near like the top of the distribution when it comes to writing like CUDA kernels. Um, but most of the time we're not writing CUDA kernels in rapids. We're just leveraging the work that's already been done in thrust. And so if you're familiar with the STL algorithms, you basically just, instead of writing STD colon colon, you just write thrust colon colon and you're programming on the GPU. Fantastic. Um, so yes, that's how I am a consumer of, or rapids is a consumer of thrust, but yes, back to transform reduce. Well, and, and like, let, let's say, here's a data science problem. Let's say that you've got um, census data, let's say, U.S. Um, census data um, as one big data set. And you want to um, count some property of that data set. For example, you want to determine how many people are over 30, 30 years old um, uh, in this huge data set. Well, one way you can do this is with transform reduce. So in that case, your transformation function is a, a function that takes, um, you know, a record for a person in this data set and uh, returns true if um, uh, that person is older than 30 um, and false otherwise. And then your reduction operation uh, just, you know, adds adds up uh, uh, all the trues and uh, into some integer value. Um, and you probably are using some big int type uh, if your data set is, you know, really truly large. Um, and uh, uh, this is um, a, a good approach to, to implementing this because transform reduce is inherently something that, uh, that we can easily paralyze. Um, the transformation 
uh, is embarrassingly parallel. And then the reduction part, well, we, we, we know how to parallelize reductions. That's a fairly well-known um, uh, science, and it can be done fairly efficiently. Um, and so, so that's one really good example um, of how uh, you can use transform reduce. So, here, so here's um, a question. Anytime that you need to count a property. So, so here's a question. Uh, you know, while I'm listening to you explain that, you've got uh, some record you're either turning that record, you're turning that record into basically a one or a zero based on some property, and then you're just adding up those ones and zeros to get a total count. Um, in my head, and I'm sure in uh, some of the listeners' heads, they're thinking, why not just use a stood reduce uh, or a stood accumulate, uh, where you know your accumulator is the total count, and each element uh, that's being passed into your sort of binary oper reduction binary operation is doing the transform and uh, the reduction at the same time. So it's taking the record and going, you know, using some ternary expression or if, if statement, you know, if uh, greater than 30 or whatever your age is, add one, otherwise add zero. Um, and this is something that I misunderstood, that you, there's a reason that that actually doesn't work when you are parallelizing uh, your algorithm. You can't just take a std accumulate that's doing that reduction and change it to a std reduce. Do you want to explain why that is? Well, yeah, because um, uh, in that case, that, that sort of reduction that you're describing, um, uh, that reduction depends upon uh, uh, things happening in a certain, certain order, right? It, 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 it depends upon a, um, a left fold, right? Uh, correct. Yeah, and and um, a parallel redu reduce um, uh, cannot be constrained in that way. Um, if if you always have to fold from the left, then you can't actually really parallelize things, right? Because um, then you know the second the second reduction that you're doing in the set is always going to depend on the first one, and the third one will always depend on the second one, et cetera, et cetera. And so the algorithm becomes inherently sequential. Um, and so you need to, uh, like, a parallel redu reduce cannot make that guarantee, um, and uh, and thus um, uh, something that might like be a very natural way of writing the code um, sequentially doesn't necessarily lower well to um, uh, a parallel implementation. So yeah, another way of like wording that is. Uh you have to adhere to like the two properties of the reduction operation for both std reduce and std transform reduce, which is that they both need to be associative and commutative. And in the binary operation that was doing the reduction using a std reduce, when your first element uh, is the total count, which is some sort of integer or big integer type, and the second element is like your record type, like there's no way that's going to work. So you can say, yes, you'd need a fold left for that. Another way to say is like you don't have an associative and commutative operation. Um, so you need the transform from the transform reduce to like uh, modify uh, the data that you have such that the reduction that you do doesn't depend on order or isn't uh, commutative or associative or is commutative yeah. and associative. So in this case, we're turning our record into just an integer or a big integer. Uh, which then when we have sort of like the running sum and a one or a zero, it doesn't matter what order you add those up, you're always going to end up with the correct answer at the end of the day. 
which is like it's a super important insight which i didn't have for i don't know a number of weeks and if and if you if you don't know what you know associativity or commutativity means um here's a simple um mental test that you can use to um uh think about whether a reduction uh in your code um is going to be paralyzable or not um if that reduction is has heterogeneous types um so the left hand side is a different type than the right hand side that probably means that um you are doing some stateful reduction into one of those two types you know the the left hand side um has some accumulation of uh uh the running state um of the algorithm and that that means that it's not an algorithm that you can or that's not a a a pattern that you can uh paralyze yeah that is a good way to think about it yeah um so so another thing we should talk about um is uh the already of transform reduce um so actually the first the first proposal i ever wrote on the c committee was adding um a binary transform reduce um c uh sequential version of transform reduce inner product um uh takes two input sequences and the transformation function that it applies takes one element from each of those two input sequences um and uh the parallel version we didn't have that the parallel version uh we were just going to ship uh transform reduce um just one form of it that took only a single input sequence um, and I wrote this paper saying, hey, no, it's actually really useful to have the binary one. Um, you can do very cool things with it, like um, a word count algorithm um, or uh, something like doing a dot product um, with this binary transform reduce that takes two input sequences. Um, and one of the common things that uh, uh, users of uh, the thrust library that I work on do um, is something that I uh, I think you've come to call a zip reduce where what if you have three input sequences or four input sequences etc yeah uh, zip reduce is one of the names that I mentioned in a couple of my talks um, I, I think that transform reduce at the end of the day is uh, the correct name because as you point out um, there is both a version that takes a single sequence or a single range, and one that takes two sequences or two ranges. And in the single range version, you're not doing any zipping operation. Um, but internally, I think of uh, the two range version as an algorithm called ZipReduce. And in fact, that is exactly what it's called um, in certain functional programming languages like Haskell. The two range zipping and sort of transforming algorithm is called ZipWith, um, which I think is... Uh, it's great that they highlight zip. I'm not sure about the width, uh, but definitely I like the zip. Um. Yeah, and we don't, we don't, uh, or we we have we did not in the original C++ algorithms have an algorithm like zip. Although now we have that with uh, with ranges, right? Uh, it is proposed in the uh, pl- you know a plan for C++ 23 ranges paper. Um, so depending on 
uh, how well you do getting stuff through Lug, um, <laughs> it might end up in C plus plus twenty three. Yeah, we should we should explain. I uh, uh, I am the chair of the C plus plus committee's library design uh, group. Uh, so uh, my ability to uh, uh, manage a standardization process can have a very real impact on whether or not we're able to get cool stuff into the next revision of the C++ standard. Uh, it's, but no pressure or anything. Yeah, no pressure. So a yeah. question, it sounds like, actually, I always thought um, this, this came up and I was on CppCast last week, and this came up that uh, I had mentioned that Transform Reduce was sort of the revamped uh, parallel version of uh, the STL algorithm inner product. Um, and I pointed out the the two differences, one being that, you know, there's tighter restrictions on uh, Transform Reduce and that uh, Transform Reduce also takes uh, a single range, whereas inner product, uh, you can only take two ranges. Um, and so I had always thought that Transform Reduce was actually just like an evolved version of inner product where they added the extra single range. But it sounds like if you're writing a proposal to add the two ranges, that Transform Reduce uh, started out as just like an entirely, like it was designed as an algorithm on itself, not as an evolution of stood inner product. Do you know if that's the case? Yeah. So, um, so the the C plus plus parallel algorithms are based on the Thrust library that I now work on. But at the time that they were being standardized, I worked on this parallel runtime called HPX and didn't work at NVIDIA and wasn't particularly familiar with uh, uh, the Thrust library. And uh, the Thrust library had introduced Transform Reduce. And I think the, mentally the model there was it's an extended version of Reduce. It's a more efficient thing to do than to do a transform or to do yet yeah, a transform uh, followed by a reduction. Um, and uh, I think that's why it takes only a single input sequence because reduce only took a single input sequence. Whereas um, in HPX, we always thought of it as naturally being the parallel version of inner product. Um, although I should mention uh, Thrust does have a parallel version of inner product um, uh, under the name inner product. Uh, and that may have been a part of it too, that the original plan was for transform reduce to just take a single input um, and for inner product to take two inputs, but for there to both be a, a um, sequential and a parallel version. Um, and this is actually one of the big design questions about the parallel algorithms. Um, should we have parallel versions of the algorithms with the same name, even if the parallel version cannot provide the same guarantees as the sequential version? And in some cases, in most cases, we said no, if the parallel version requires fundamentally guarantee, different guarantees, then we should give it a new name. And that's why in C++, we have both accumulate um, a sequential algorithm that does reductions, um, but in a certain order, um, uh, and reduce, a, uh, a which has a both a sequential and a parallel version, but makes no guarantees about the ordering. 
and uh, uh, requires a commutivity and associativity. Interesting. So I actually did not know Thrust had, I'm staring at the docs right now, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, but inner product. So inner product is a parallel version of the STL inner product without the uh, requirements on the binary operations. Um, is that, that's correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I would argue that um, that is something of a historical mistake in Thrust that we probably didn't really mean to do that. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's a little bit too late to fix it now. Do but... what specifically? Have both inner product and transform reduce or? Oh, uh, no, no. To, to have the, to have a, a, a parallel inner product under that name was probably a mistake. Um, because we don't have in Thrust an algorithm called accumulate that's parallel. Um, we don't have in Thrust an algorithm called IOTA that's parallel. Um, out of recognition that those algorithms were um, like the name, those named algorithms in the standard library were inherently sequential. And so the, when we introduced those into our parallel algorithms library, we gave them different names so that people would not associate the semantics of the sequential one with the semantics of the parallel one. There's other algorithms like transform um, where there is no difference in guarantees um, aside from guarantees around race conditions between the sequential and the parallel version. Um, and, and those guarantees around race conditions being essentially, you know, okay, if, you're, if your transformation function, um, uh, your transformation functions need to be thread safe. Um, uh, but there's no big difference like, hey, you know, the accumulate supports non-commutative, non-associative um, uh, uh, operations, whereas, you know, reduce doesn't. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of power in names because names associate semantics with them. Um, and I think it was probably a mistake for us to use the name inner product, which has an association with um, uh, those guarantees that stood inner product makes. To use that name for a parallel algorithm that doesn't make those guarantees is probably a mistake. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've gone over time once again, and I feel yeah, like there was right. there was a third topic we were supposed to because we were we were supposed to revisit all the stuff we said we would talk about in episode one, and then we just sort of we're lost. supposed to talk about triangle products. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can by. very quickly wrap up this episode by just saying that if you recall from episode zero, uh, what outer product was. Um, to recap, basically a Cartesian product where you take two lists and you uh, generate all possible uh, combinations of the elements of those two lists, uh, except a Cartesian product just produces a flat list, whereas outer product uh, produces a, a matrix um, with the dimensions of uh, the lengths of your two lists. Um, a triangle product basically uh, avoids the duplicates. So if you imagine yourself with a matrix, uh, just looking at the upper triangular matrix of that sort of matrix that you started with is what triangle product does. Because a lot of the times when you're using outer product to perform some binary operation on pairs of elements from two lists, you don't actually want to do uh, the operation uh, twice. 
for you know the pair at index 210, um, you don't want to also repeat the operation for the uh, uh, pair of elements um, at 102, which is basically the same elements just reversed. Um, obviously, if your binary operation uh, is something like minus uh, that's not associative, um, you're going to want to you're going to want to perform that in both directions. But for something like multiplies or plus, uh, you don't actually need to do that, and you can save yourself like uh, twice as many computations. So a triangle product is basically just an outer product that only takes the upper triangular of the matrix, um, which is a common pattern in array-oriented languages. Uh, but as I mentioned in episode zero, I have not found an algorithm uh, in any language that does this kind of thing. But yeah. probably our listeners are thinking it's super niche, um, which it is. But when you want it, it's irritating to have to compose it yourself. Um, and I've run into it many times. So I think with that, we talked about transform reduce more comprehensively we actually talked about where we work and what languages we've worked in and we talked about triangle product anything else we need to mention before we call it i think we should call it all right and are we going to be are we going to be releasing these on fridays or tuesdays uh i think that's uh, i'm going to delegate that decision to you <laughs> okay our first one was released on friday uh we might release this one on tuesday cuz apparently Tuesdays might be better than Fridays for some reason. Um, yeah, there's some data to that effect. Alrighty. With that, All thanks right. for listening. Cool. And we'll see you in the next one.